0: I used to do a lot of speaking, and um, at the time, the the people I did the the speaking for, they had all the speakers write an article, and they published this magazine that they would give out at all these big speeches where, where, you know, six or seven of us on on the bill at one time, and I found this magazine with uh, Hillary Swank on the cover, and I looked down the sides of people who wrote articles, and it was me and a couple other people, and Donald Trump, (laughs) Donald J. (laughs) Trump, I may add.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Mojo Moments. I'm your host, Thing Calder. Our guest today is Andy Nolman, a Montrealer, a man of many hats. Currently, the co-founder of Play the Future, and also the producer of a Broadway show called Le Béguin. He's also the former co-big cheese of Just for Laughs, and was doing mobile entertainment with Airborne before the iPhone was a thing. I've known Andy for years. Back when I was 23, fresh out of university, looking for work in Montreal, and trust me, back in the 90s, there wasn't a lot of work in Montreal, and I was working the streets to try and find a job, and just for last festival, was coming up for the summer, and I sent out my CV to Andy. It was very simple. On one side, I had all the boring information, and on the other side of the CV, in giant letters, it said, ignore this, and Andy was that guy, crazy enough. To not ignore it and give me a job. This podcast recorded in mid-April 2020. The whole world is doing one thing, self-isolating. It's a crazy period. Here's my conversation with Andy Nolman. Listen up. Andy, thank you. Thank you for joining us from the safety of your home in this COVID period. How are you? You assume it's
0: safe. You assume it's safe. You have not been here. You, you can, we, What we've done uh, to, to just add to the enjoyment of, of confinement, we've made things very, very risky. We've had things fall off shelves. We line the floor with broken glass, um, you know, because the safety, just you know w- walking along uh, um, you know, when status quo was so dull. So we've increased the risk of staying at home here <laughs> at the Norman Households. I'm sure your wife is enjoying that. Oh, look, you know, it's, uh, we've been together so long, uh, we have to keep uh, the spark in the relationship. And we, we found, I think it's a great equation, broken glass on the floor equals spark.
1: So there we go. <laughs> hey, so to, speaking of warming things up, we have this little thing. So uh, let's just get the mojo, the Q&A going, five quick questions. Shoot. And this one is sponsored by COVID-19. Beautiful. So do you think about how you're going to dress before a video call?
0: Of course, but this is not a video call. This is audio, correct. Yeah. That said, I'm still color coordinated. You can't see, but my shorts match my gray t-shirt and um, you know and, and the hat, yeah, and, and the gray hair. Um, but yeah, I, most definitely. I I think about that. I I think about how I dress when there's no video. I think about how I dress when I go to the gym. I go to the gym alone and totally color coordinated. So that is a question that COVID, no COVID, day,
1: night, uh, no
0: matter where I think about what I'm going to
1: (laughs) wear. One of my clear memories of having lunch with you once is you looking at me and going, God, you dress like a wasp. (laughs) <laughs> so, so I made an effort to wearing khakis, I suspect. Were you wearing khakis yeah, at the khakis time? Khakis and probably a button-down shirt from LL Beam. But today I'm wearing my black t-shirt just to try, just try to match you. Uh second question. Seeing how much you love this technology stuff, what video conferencing platform is your go-to these days? Oh, the one that works. Let's leave it at that. The one that works. Um, I, you know, I was a
0: fan of Zoom way back when uh, we discovered this at Play the Future. We, were, we used to have calls with you know, teams in Russia, Romania, and it was an amazing, amazing platform then. Now it's become the, you know, the platform du jour, um, and I think deservingly so. And the reason we found Zoom is because we were so pissed at um, Google Hangouts that that never worked properly. I'm saying it's one of the world's biggest corporations. Get your video act together. What I find astonishing is that so few of them work. I think that is really going to be an Achilles heel in the in going forward in the quote unquote recovery, because this this stuff has to work. If, if you're going to go ahead and base, you know, the the new economy on this type of interaction, this stuff better work. So my my, my platform of choice is one that works.
1: Unlike the mic
0: yeah i found but you know but that's the same thing you what we're doing here and people you know don't really know the the grief we went through uh was is to establish a high quality mic plug in into it seems simple into a computer and then but what what it did is it threw off the technology it threw off some of the platforms um just plugging this mic and made things painful so it just goes to show you
1: the the complexity of making things simple absolutely so Third question. What's something you took for granted pre-COVID that you appreciate now more than ever?
0: I I really think it's, and it sounds sucky, but true. It's uh, hugging my kids. And uh, my kids aren't babies anymore, um, but you know, Aiden's 32 and Hayes is uh, 29. Um, and, you know, they both have significant others. Hayes is married. Uh, Aiden has a long-term girlfriend. And um, just being able to hug my kids, it, and we see them often, uh, you know, they're dropping off stuff at their place or um, uh, via video. And uh, the fact that I can't, you know, we can't give them a goodbye hug or a goodbye kiss is, is, is you know, staggering and that that really bugs me so i know it may sound sucky but that is the true answer to the question
1: well it's not sucky i get it i am fortunate my kids are young enough so they're still in the house so uh i hug them they're not as especially my 16 year old he's not wanting the hugs as much back but i get it uh so what are you reading right now that you love
0: let's see there's a lot. I, I read a book called uh, Actually, I can look at my, my bookshelf, which is right behind me. Successful Aging uh, by Dan Levitan, uh, who wrote a book Your Brain on Music. Uh, I read all his stuff. The guy's brilliant, and uh, you know, one hopes, uh, especially these days, seeing the alternative that, that they get older. So I thought this was a good guideline to it. That, that was the m- most recent. But I've read books by you know friends. I'm I'm really reading a lot of blog posts and um, magazines, because they're all popping up on, on Facebook, I mean, a lot of the Atlantic more than I've ever done before, the New Yorker. But I'm also reading a lot of the stuff that I'm writing, because I'm, I'm taken to writing things just for the sake of documenting them. Uh, I, I wrote a story the other day about uh, the, the, the fu- basically the funniest night of my life. And uh, it's a story that that I've told a few times. I've never documented it. And I wanted to make sure that that somehow some way it it had a place in the world so i've written that and read it over and over and over and making sure it's right so uh there's a lot
1: i feel like going down that rabbit hole how long is that story to share right now is that a uh, can is there a two-minute version of it
0: what i'll do is i'll send you the story and you'll tell me if you think it's 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 worth it but basically the story <laughs> if you don't hear back yes i had <laughs> you'll to be like it,
1: bastards bastards
0: i had to host a contest uh ruben fogo asked me to host this ridiculous promotional contest for one of his acts way way back when it was the, one of the first ever um tribute bands this is before tribute bands were, were a thing and it was a best legs contest because the band was tres Ombres and it was a zz top tribute band so i figured he, i said Ugh, i don't want to do this he goes "It's 15 minutes what are you worried about and i said a tribute band. who's going to show up at a tribute band at club soda on a saturday night i figured it will be like 70 people whatever so i'll do this in 15 minutes and leave and when i got to club soda it was jam-packed with bikers it just was the world's worst audience and then this, i'm not bikers people making a statement like like i am like wearing a jack daniels t-shirt they were hell's angels
1: popeyes you know all the the real biker guys the real ones the and we know a thing or two about that in montreal
0: yeah so i had to host a, a contest with this is my audience. So anyway, that's the whole story of how I had to deal with that.
1: Talk about leaving us on the edge, man. We're gonna wanna follow up on that. So share us that story. Last of our little tight five, what has been the most surprising or cool thing you've experienced during the COVID crisis?
0: Reliving my life, because one of the things I always wanted to do, I have these storage lockers. We live in a, a, a condo downtown. And I have these. I'm the only guy who shouldn't even talk about this. Uh, but but we, I have three storage lockers. I basically what I do is I buy <laughs> other people's storage lockers, and I have. Everything in these boxes, which I've, you know, I've been working 45 years. I started when I was 16 years old. So uh, I have had, you know, many careers and I've kept things. I've archived them, but I've just kept them in boxes. So the, the COVID-19 uh, crisis has allowed me to really spend the time going through all these boxes and archiving this piece by piece, putting it into a searchable database that I can find things now where, they, where they're where they at. So if I want to find all my KISS stuff, I just type in KISS and it'll tell me which box, the, what, what stuff is in. So this brought back memories and I found every old date book. I had every date book so I knew what, I, I could see what I was doing on this date back in 1982 or 83 and and I found names of people who i have no idea who they were who were very important to me at the time obviously because they came up numerous times in the date book so i, I managed to relive my life and and discover things i totally forgotten found pictures and pieces of memorabilia and oh it was wonderful so that's the, really the biggest surprise the biggest surprise is wow
1: did i do all this stuff that was the biggest surprise it's so funny because when we booked this podcast you uh then whipped out my job application from 25 years ago, I think. Yeah. I was like, holy shit. Either it was good or he keeps a lot of stuff.
0: <laughs> no, I keep things that matter. I mean, I found, look, my, my mom died over tw- uh, 21 years ago, Twenty, you know, 22, 23 years ago. And I found a card that was written to me by Bobby Slayton, the comedian, and Bobby Slayton is known as the pit bull of comedy. And he's known, you know, to be really nasty and, and filthy and vulgar. But he wrote me the world's most sweet Sentimental card, and I kept it. So it's things like that. It's things that that have left me with meaning. And your CV, you know, ignore, which was front page that said, ignore this. Struck me, and I kept it because the fact that no one had the guts. Because CVs at the time, and I once did a whole TV series on CBC called "Getting Job One: How to Get Your First Job." And CVs to then and still are the most dull pieces of shit on earth. You know, people just this list of crap that nobody gives a shit about. And yours was, was, was everything a C V should be, get someone's attention and sell yourself for the future versus, Oh, here, look what I've done. Look at me.
1: So that's why I kept it. Thanks for the plug, by the way. That's awesome. So, um, <laughs> and look what you've done. <laughs> look, look at, at me. You. Here look I am. Today. So this is actually a really good segue. We went from the, the, your, your locker into, you know, the things you keep, things that are meaningful in this whole podcast that we've, sort of fell into because at, at the end of 2019 and I was you know, jamming with the team and I was just like, I just feel going into 2020, not to be cheesy, but it's a year of vision. And what is the vision? What do we need to focus on? You know, what's our clarity? And it was just like mojo, for us is central, you know, good mojo. And so let's talk to people about mojo. And we're not talking about the Austin Powers mojo. We're talking Mm. about, you know, that passion, the things that get you excited, get people going in life. It was interesting. So when we're setting up and doing a little research here, uh, did a little journey over to your LinkedIn bio.
2: Yeah. Uh, (laughs) It's over
1: there. So blew the dust off that. And your headline says it all. I have the guts you wish you had. I changed it for a, a couple others where I,
0: now I I say, I use the guts you wish you had.
1: <laughs> oh, okay, well so, the one I have is, yeah, yeah. I have the guts you wish you had, so just tell me a little about that. What do you mean?
0: This, it's a double-edged sword and what I mean by that is um, you would think, and this is one of the things I've come to realize, and one of the things uh, that's held me back and, and caused some of my greatest failures in the world, people say they want innovation they want change they want to do something different and then you say okay look what i got look at this and then they'll say mm, that's a little too much and too different and too wild can you bring it down a bit say okay well what about this and then they'll say yeah that's a, okay maybe a little too crazy can you just a little bit more okay how about this oh that's great that's perfect well that's what you're doing now you don't want change. You don't want innovation. Uh, you you don't want things different. You want the status quo. You want somebody else to change. And then once you see how that goes, then maybe you'll think of change. Once you go through a committee and shit like that, it's double-edged circles. I'm I'm willing to take any risk. I'm willing to take you know any chance. And uh, I find that uh, many times um, I'm alone in that. If I have to have a slogan that that has. Um, you know, let's say the down slogan of my life. It's the words, we'll get back to you. Mm. We'll get back to you is never good. It's never, wow, we'll get back to you. It's, we'll get back to you. Let me go speak to someone and find out how we can close this up, how we can shut this down, how we could shut you up. (laughs) And that happens all the time.
1: A friend of mine the other day, uh, who's uh, said it best. He goes, those sort of, let me get back to you, or perhaps are the worst. He goes, I think the second best answer is no. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Clear. No, don't waste my time or I'll get back to you. It's either a yes or no, but then let me get back to you. Just leaves you in this. So there we go. So that really is,
0: you know, where, where, what this is all about. Um, And it's not, I'm not alone in this. I have friends, a friend of mine, Saul Colt is one of the smartest and uh, brightest and most risk-taking marketers I've, I've ever met and suffers from the same thing. You know, people are full of shit. They don't want change. They want to take, play it safe. And I'll tell you about a company I, I want to, I, I want to start, which is still, I still have the URL, courageandguts.com. Um, this company we wanted to start was the following. It would give you an out. So what, what we would do is we would go in and say, look, it's going to cost you, here's, we want to be a consultant. It's going to cost you $50,000. And we're going to come up with some brilliant ideas. And what you're going to, we'll, we'll do it. And then what you can do is at least go to people and say, look, uh, we tried this. Um, you know, they, they we, we went out, we spoke to these people, and, but it's too much. It's too crazy. But at least you can say you tried. At least you can say, and, and then you can say it, it won't work. And then you can go back to doing what you're doing. So it costs you 50 grand to give yourself that out that we, at least we tried. So we, we said, you know, here's an easy way to pocket $50,000 at a crack by giving people the out. And that's what you said before. The second best answer is no. I think I think that's the third best answer. The second best answer is no. It'll never work. You're nuts. That's the second best answer because that makes people say, "Yeah, let me show you. Let me show you. I'm gonna come back and jam it down your throat." No is just can just be, you know, lack of courage, stupidity, laziness. No, it'll never work. You're stupid and 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 forget it. That's inspiration. And that put, that actually goes ahead and, and establishes a human being's character. Whereas a no
1: is, a, is, is a, a wall, a fence. Okay, I want to riff on that. Okay. Because where do you get your mojo? Is it from that?
0: Yeah, it's from that. When you look at one of the things we're looking back over life, if there's anything in, in the DNA, and again, let, let's put this into perspective. I'm not that great. I'm not that special. I haven't done all that much. I've had a couple big wins. I've had some, some really great accomplishments. I have a ton of fun, but let's face it. There are brilliant people out there who have changed the world. I ain't one of them, but, 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 but I, at least my mojo comes from the fact of saying, you know, I want to do something different. I want to try something. So I look back at the DNA and it's not a long DNA, but it's, it's, here's how it started. I was 16 years old. I got a job. A newspaper at seventeen, I was the entertainment editor. Who did that as a kid? I was—I wasn't even eighteen yet, and I, I wasn't even able to go into clubs. And I was an entertainment editor of, of a newspaper, and a real newspaper, not a bullshitty. You know, um, it, it was—it was sold on on, on the streets. It was Sunday Express. People yeah. paid for it, so there was that. Then it was just for laughs. We started just well, Gilbert started just for laughs in in French. It came along in, in English. And what was a comedy festival? It didn't exist. People thought we were crazy. No one believed in it. We went to the States. They wouldn't even give us a meeting. I'll never figure we were so excited. Oh, wow. William Morris is meeting with us. We were so happy. We're buying, we're buying. And the seller would granted us a meeting. And we were so low on the totem pole that they wouldn't even meet to bring us into their office. They met us in their lobby, in the lobby. That's how, <laughs> no one believed in Just For Laughs. Airborne we started mobile media in 1999 we sold before the iPhone came out we sold our company for 100 million bucks before the iPhone came out. That's how early we were. And we would tell people, what, we would hold up these black and white screens which actually are green with black dots and say, one day people are going to watch television on this. And they say, are you fucking crazy? Watch television, are you nuts? But that was the DNA. When you look at it, and, you know, same thing with Play the Future and, and all of the other things that I'd like to get involved in. It's things when people tell you you're crazy, it can't be done. It'll never work. That's the most, so, so really, what is it? you're looking at the contrary and you're looking at psychologically wow I, I want to prove people wrong and that's that's
1: I guess so so if I ever want to get you to do something and say you can't do it
0: yeah, but there are many things to say, hey, you know, Andy, you can't play NBA basketball. I, I may agree with you. You know, there, there are many things. Why is that? Why is that? <laughs> so, um, no short jokes allowed yes, on podcast. Yes, no, no, short, no short Jew jokes allowed on podcast unless the short Jew himself makes them.
1: Um, <laughs> so, so tell me, you told me once a story, and I want people to hear the story, of the time, I think it was with Airborne, okay, when you went to a conference, it was something about you. You had to do some promo and self promo thing, and you only had a dollar or something. Oh, too bad it's audio. Because, but hold on one second. I have it
0: right here, so I might as well show the the, the small audience that we have here. Hold on. <laughs> this is the actual dollar, and um, we used to go to these conferences, and like everybody else, and you know, say, wait, okay. just
1: a little context. So airborne, could just give a little context on airborne then.
0: Airborne was. We were in the mobile media space, and we used to go to these conferences, CTIA, Southern Telecommunications Industry of America, which was this massive conference in New Orleans, San Francisco, Atlanta, uh, New York, and they would take over the Javits Center or the the Moscone Center in San Francisco, and there would be thousands upon thousands of people, Verizon and Sprint and and Samsung and Sony. It was the mobile industry, and and the teeny-weeny part of the mobile industry at the time was mobile content. So we had to go ahead and try and make a splash. And it was hard because we were like a teeny weeny company amongst all these other people. So what we did, other companies did, we gave out t-shirts, pens, bouncy balls, and we would spend a fortune on this stuff. And it had zero impact, zero. And I would be freaking out all the time and saying, it's a waste. We're wasting money. Nobody gives a shit. You know who picks this stuff up? The, the scroungers who go booth to booth to, to say, well, let me bring stuff for my kids. so I'll get balls and t-shirts and pens and shit. And I said, we can't do it. And it was costing us a fortune. There were $5 a unit, $6 a unit. And I'm saying, that's crazy. We're pissing away money. I said, I want to do something. Let's find something we can do for a dollar. What can we do for a dollar? And they brainstormed. They came up with ideas. And nobody, we couldn't find anything for a dollar. So then, I don't know how it came about. We said, okay, we're going to change the word. Never mind, what can we do for a dollar? What can we do to a dollar? Bang. And that, so we said, okay, let's get a dollar bill. And here it is. So what can we do to a dollar? We could print on it. We can do stuff. Anyway, the ironic thing about this is how we introduced this. We said we need a product. And the product we were launching at the time was so insane. (laughs) Donald Trump's real estate tycoon. It was a game game. That was played on your phone. This is pre iPhone. This was WAP, you know, uh, wireless app- application protocol uh, technology, and G- it's super pixelized
1: and everything. Yes, and
0: we had actually Donald Trump audio recordings that would pop up in the game, and he would tell you stuff, and he would tell you how what a bad deal that was, or that, or give you real estate tips. I said, There's, this is true. We dealt. We were dealing with Donald Trump. So we said, well, what can we do for a dollar? So we, we, these are real dollar bills. We took a thousand of these and we printed on them. It says there are only two ways to beat Donald Trump. One, collect a few billion of these. Two, play Donald Trump's real estate tycoon. And then it gave a, a visit airborne to booth number 638 or go to www.trumpmobile.com. So we, these cost us a dollar and we printed on them. We had a thousand of them. And I can tell you a ton of stories how we just left them on the ground. People didn't, you know, didn't think they were real. And it all came to a head where uh, we had about 750 of these left. And I was speaking on a panel um, with a guy named Trip Hawkins and Trip Hawkins was the head of, EA Electronic Arts and Trip Hawkins was like the, the superstar. Oh, everywhere he walked, Trip, Hawk, uh, Trip Hawkins is here. No, it's EA man. It's oh so, man, like... so we were so like lucky to be on the panel with this guy with we a bunch of zero nobodies and then Trip Hawkins. So, well, we all had a chance because we paid for the 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 opportunity to be on this goddamn panel um, to pitch our project. So at one point in time, they said, um, you know, and we talked about, I was talking about Donald Trump's real estate tycoon. And I said, we said, we, we thought to ourselves, how are we going to launch it? And I said, let's do it the way that Donald would appreciate it. And at that point in time, I stood up and had four people standing up in the room, each of us had about 150 of these dollars in our hand and we threw it in the air. <laughs> people didn't realize what was going on. And they looked up, they had no idea. And now they're, they're coming down like, you know, little snow like f- confetti, a little snowfall. Yeah. And then suddenly people realized, okay, well, Holy shit, it's real money. And that caused a pandemonium. And people freaked out. They were fighting each other, jumping into this, flipping over tables. And it, it caused so much pandemonium. Chip Hawkins, I'll never forget, said into his microphone, oh, my God, how do I follow this? And, you know, once they we finally brought decorum into the room, still the room was buzzing, and everyone was you know, looking at the money they had or the money they could have had. And basically, the panel session was destroyed. And because of that, <laughs> I got kicked out. I got banned from the conference for life because of, <laughs> <for doing that. laughs> this was a pre-conference at CTA, thank God, because I was allowed into the, the, the big one, but I got banned from this conference for life. But for years after, for years after, people came up to me and said, are you throwing dollar bills again? Are you throwing dollar bills again? Are you throwing dollar bills again? Because it had such an impact. And that it taught me two things, two lessons. Were one, you have to take the shot. You have to take the shot. You know, versus the bouncy balls of the pens, you have to take the shot. And two, once you do something great, file it, put it away, because everyone it will. That's what. Let's do it again. No, you don't want to do it again. You want to find something brand new, better. Crazier, wilder, more impact versus well, that was that worked. So let me go and do it again and again and again. Diminishing returns until it becomes you know a bouncy ball in the pen.
1: I love that story. Do you think that Mr. Donald Trump remembers that? You know what's so funny? Going through all my stuff,
0: I've, it's amazing the connections we had over the years. This, There was an article in the Globe and Mail when, when Airborne was one of the uh, Fast 50 companies of Deloitte. We were actually number one in Canada that year. And the headline was, these guys have Donald Trump on the line. That was the first, that was the Globe and Mail story. I I used to do a lot of speaking, and at the time, the the people I did the the speaking for, they had all the speakers write an article, and they published this magazine that they would give out at all these big speeches where, where, you know, six or seven of us on on the bill at one time. And I found this magazine with uh, Hillary Swank on the cover, and I looked down the sides of people who wrote articles, and it was me and a couple other people and Donald Trump. Donald J. Trump, I may add. So I had to laugh that, <laughs> it's, it's, you know, I, there's nobody I, I think I dislike more on earth at this stage of the game. And it's so funny how our our, our, um, our paths were, were crossed so often.
1: Over the years, it's interesting, you know, whenever you brought up just for last today, it's so rare that you actually bring up just for last, but it's a huge chunk of your life. Yeah. Okay. So what gives? Like, why don't you? Is it, is it that same thing? You file it? Yeah, it, it's filed. For, for some reason, somebody
0: reached out to me next week and they said, so we want to talk to you about comedy. And I said, why? You know, uh, well, it just falafsing. That was so long ago. That was such a, it was a different human being ago. It's funny. While I was doing it, it was uh, wonderful. And it's still wonderful. But it's it's it done. It's done. It's It's history. It's past. Um, you know, I looked at all the archives and I found so many things, so many me- memories, but that's what they were. They were the past and it, it's it's great, but you know, who wants to be defined by their past?
1: Mm-hmm. But can we jump into that past one second? Sure. since we're doing a past podcast sure. here, but almost 20 years, two stints, and you did everything, essentially. What thing did you do when you were there that you liked the most?
0: The, the thing that I liked the most was, and it, it came through in so many ways. It was that impact, creating something from nothing. So whether it was coming up with a new show, coming up with a new way to market a show, coming up with a press conference concept, coming up with a new way to sell something to a performer, um, working with a performer to come up with something new to showcase on stage uh, a, a new technology you know audio when we got heavily involved in youtube it was always that you know how do we take the next step how do we take the, the next uh, risk but but there were so many opportunities for that and i used to say all the time uh, just for laughs we had a license to um uh oh god what, what, what did i say <laughs> uh, a license to um you know, no, no, sorry, sorry. So it wasn't a license to kill. It was we could get away with murder. We can get away with anything because we always had the out, you're a out. Comedy festival. Yeah. Hey, we're just kidding. So I used to give <laughs> example. If I'm the CEO of Via Rail and I'm sitting across from you, Thane, and we're having lunch, and I would stand up and whack you across the face, say, "What the hell did you do?" I'm saying, hey, sorry, buddy, I'm, I'm the, the chairman of the uh, CEO of, of Via Rail, I can do that. You say, are you nuts, I'm, I'm gonna sue you, idiot. Okay, if I'm the CEO of Just for Laughs, Stand up, wacky across the face. What'd you do that for? Thing, come on, it's me. I'm just kidding. All right. <laughs> come on. And, but that's what dri- drive me crazy because I, I remember at, when, when I used to f- push the marketing people just for laughs. Again, it was sameness and sameness. And I said, we can get away with anything. We can get away with anything.
1: Try it, push it, go further, go wild. And um, It sounds like, like a, the perfect Petri dish for you given... The way you see the world and, and wanting to do things is like the perfect place to be. To-
0: I remember. Oh, I still have them. I listen to them. Some of our early radio ads. And, and again, I don't want to diss just for laughs at all. I think the, the people there are wonderful. They're having a really tough time now. Yeah. And uh, they're, they're really great people. And I have all the respect in the world for them. They do a great job but i hear the radio ads but it's it's been the same thing for 10 years i can do it. Da, da 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 just for laughs presented by the little association presents sound bite of the whoever live at plasdaysr tickets at Haha.com, a presentation of da, 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 da. <laughs> same thing same thing and it's just four billion words and and where's it funny where's it selling like? and i remember I listened to because I have all the, all the cassettes of tapes of, because of, of, this is how old some of these are, of ads. And one of the ads I'll never forget, it was this is the ad. It was, ladies and gentlemen, a message from Mark Goldman, chief financial officer of Just For Laughs. Tickets, buy your tickets, tickets, go buy your tickets. What are you doing? Buy tickets, tickets, buy your tickets now. Buy, buy your tickets, tickets, buy your tickets now. Buy, buy tickets. Just for laughs, tickets.com. It was it. That's just all it was. It was just going to buy tickets. I thought that was hilarious because what do you want to do in the end? Sell tickets, goddammit. Yeah, yeah. It made me laugh. I totally forgot about that. And I said, that's if I heard that on the radio, I mean, I would just die.
1: I would just die. But you know, just while you've done this little riff here, though, I was thinking you should do their next radio ad saying, I used to work for them. And their ads are so boring. <laughs> oh my, but, but
0: again, I understand it because th- there are, con- b- but this is the whole thing. Everything now, and, and not and this is not just, a, a just for laughing, this is a, almost an everybody, everything. It goes to a committee. It goes to the committee and say, okay, go, hold on. We have this sponsor and they want this. Oh, you can't say that because it's going to piss off this one. We well, can't do this because it goes against the grain. And, you know, they have this policy that we can. not So it's all sameness. And that's why, you only know drives me bananas it's the same goddamn poster for every event in the world. And you know what I'm talking about? Like the, yeah, the those same
1: people. frame, really. Okay, let me get back my. Eyes. I feel that you have this need to give back. No, but you 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 get involved. Like you just mentioned, you did the fundraisers. Uh, you got really involved for the Montreal 375 mm-hmm. when Montreal was going through probably just before that, it was one of our biggest lows in the city. I remember the, our economy, our roads and everything, and that was like a turnaround moment. You, you've written a bunch of books, you give talks, you teach at McGill. You know, this, this whole thing of like giving back, is this something you feel you need to do or, or is this because people want you to do it? Like, wh- where does this all come from? I, I don't think it's giving
0: back. Um because giving back means that you know, you've taken something and you're giving, giving back. I think it's more along the lines of, um, of, of responsibility. You know, I told this to, to my son, um, Hayes, and it's funny because I told him this because I, my other son, Aiden, uh, had moved out of Montreal at the age of 18 and stayed, uh, stayed out of the city for 14 years, just moved back like a month ago, literally a month ago. And Hayes was, um, you know, graduated uh, from, from school, and he was wanted to start a business. He was thinking about leaving, and I said, "You know what? It's easy to leave. Anybody could leave, uh, but I think that you know, there's a certain responsibility you have." Your city, you know, you, you can go anywhere, but here, you know, the the rewards that will come from staying here and and building something for yourself, your wife was a fiance at the time, uh, your family to be. There's a responsibility. I think you have in, in building. It's not just building a business, but but building a business. You're building a network, and you and your your friends and your colleagues will, will build this city up. And I think that there's a certain responsibility, but it's not a giving back. It's, it's not, you know, because as I said before, I think giving back as the, the connotation of, you know, I took, so now I have to give back. It's the other way around. It's just, it, it's just doing. It has nothing to do with giving back. It has to do with, with doing, with doing and having a, a sense of a responsibility for something. And um, maybe this was ingrained. There's a certain Jewish tradition. It's called tzedakah, which is, translated into charity but it's not charity it's a commitment the basic uh tzedakah um mitzvah which is a a, a, a blessing is you're supposed to give 10 percent of your earnings to charity to but it's you know it's not like oh I'm, I'm gonna give it and look at me and look how great i am you know the greatest people who give are those who take the least amount of of claim. they do it because it's what you do and i think that's really what, what this is all about it's not giving back it's just it's what you do
1: so it's interesting because you mentioned this this the story of your son in Montreal, and when you look at the thread of your contribution to Montreal, like you you are a true patriot of this town. Like from well, for just for laughs to building up Airborne in Montreal, being involved. I think you're on the board of the Tourism, tourism. Montreal. Yeah. you you got involved with the 375. Like, is it because you're from here, or just does Montreal mean something? Is, does Montreal have mojo in your life, or?
0: You know, when we started Just for Laughs and, and we used to go uh, trying to sell this, uh, Gilbert and I in New York, people would always say, like, uh, why Montreal? Like, what, Why are you doing it there? And we'd say, like, what do you mean, why? You know, that, that's where it is. I, I still remember uh, Betty Bitterman of, of HBO. when we, we had a deal with HBO in, in 1988, and she said, you know, this, this comedy festival, like, why are we doing it in Montreal? I well, do just move it to Chicago? No, you don't move it to Chicago, because this is where it is. This is, like, It's like saying, "Oh, let's. Why is that Eiffel Tower in Paris? Let's just move it to Cincinnati. Why? Because it's there. That's where it is. So I guess the the thing about Montreal is, yeah, it's my city. It's where I was born. But there's a certain love I have, and and this is the point I wanted to to get to. I will still never forget this. Coming home from from a, it was a the trip in it was in Los Angeles. I used to go travel all the time, and coming home, I remember we just signed Michael Richards, uh, of Seinfeld fame Kramer of Seinfeld fame to do Just for Last that year, and coming into to Montreal and seeing the city in, in the plane, and you know you, you get to see the island element of it. And it's a really gorgeous view, and uh, I remember saying, "Hey, you know what? I'm I'm back home with a gift for you." I'll never forget why that stuck with me. You know who am I to say I'm coming back home with a gift for you? But that's what went through my head when I saw the island. Still to this day, to this day, whether it's the old Champlain Bridge or the current uh, Samuel de Champlain Bridge, there is no better entree, dri- driving entree into a city in the world than Montreal. And I've driven into London, Paris, New York, Boston. I can go on uh, Los Angeles, San Francisco. I can go on and on and on and on and on. But that, sweeping vistas you're going on that bridge and you're seeing the water and downtown. And, and that really, you know, inspires me when I see that every time uh, sometimes I just go to the South shore just to come back and see,
1: <laughs> let's go to <laughs> the only It's the only reason why you go to the South shore. Exactly. <laughs> It's funny because, you know, I, I, years ago, um, I wrote an article for this uh, business magazine. It was like the back page to talk about your city. It was a, a business magazine published by ENC Ad, which is kind of like the Harvard Business School in Europe. And um, the editor said, hey, can you do the back page on Montreal? And I was trying to think, of, you know, when you think of most cities of fame in the world, they always have this icon, this piece of... Architecture, usually, you know you know like the Big Ben in London or you know the Eiffel Tower in, in Paris, whatever and and I was like, and in my piece, I was like, there's no visual element really for Montreal, yeah, you could say the mountain and the cross, but really it, it's not Rio, you know it's not Rio, but it's true what you just said about that bridge, the Champlain Bridge, and I grew up in the eastern townships, right, and as a kid, going into Montreal is so exciting, and that bridge. I I didn't realize that until you just mentioned this. Really is unique in the world coming in on the city that way. Like you know, it, it is, but well, you just said it. Of course you know. But but it is a very unique entry into the city for sure.
0: Yep, yeah, and it's an, you know, all you need is to do uh, do if you if you're uninspired, do that. And
1: <laughs> you will. And it's so in it, my son in during this quarantine he's working on a um uh, project yesterday, it's his year-end history project he's in grade eight and they have to have different names he was given Samuel de Champlain and you know so others have like other great historical figures like Nelson Mandela and you know, you, you name them. the list is long and, and very fascinating and some levels it's like wow Champlain is kind of boring and when you dig into that guy's story and when you think a bridge is named after him, you realize he deserves to have that bridge named after him.
0: But I think when you dig into anyone's story, and that's one of the things we learned at Airborne, where we, at one point in time, we realized that, um, hey, you know what? Everyone here is unique and different. And they weren't all that unique and different, except that they all were unique and different, as, a, as I suspect people who work with you are. But some of you just don't know it. We just, in in terms of, Talking to some people at Airborne at the time, we realized one of the guys worked for the KGB. You know, wow, that was kind of cool. And <laughs> so what we did at, at, at Airborne one point in time, we had a talk show. We used to have a talk show with our employees. I was the host, and we would go ahead and, and learn about them. And every employee, it didn't matter who, had an amazingly interesting story, whether it's their hobby, the, the books they read, um, the way they got to Canada. I mean, I can go on and on and on, but everyone has a, a story. The problem is... Um, they don't tell them or, or the problem yeah. is people don't give a shit.
1: Don't listen. Yeah, exactly. So we're, we're, you've been super generous with your time here. Uh, so this is our wrap up question here. It's
0: amazing what, how generous one can be when they have nothing to do. But go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> go ahead. Thanks. So,
1: so just in case you believe in reincarnation, if you could give one piece of advice that you could tell yourself to your 16 year old self, what would it be?
0: Um, you know, I just relived my 16-year-old self, and uh, in the end, I guess if I had to give it's advice that I give all the time uh, to everyone, and that is, you know, it sounds trite, but it's uh, but um, it's it's also just a catchphrase from the movie Meatballs. But it just doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter. What I mean by that is, I can go back, and let me tell you, I looked at all those date books and look at all the, the the highs and the lows. And you get by it. You get your know, time is, is this wonderful effect of putting layers of comfort over raw, open wounds. And um, there are very few things that that I did. Very few mistakes I made. Very few, um, uh, not to say I didn't make. I mean, tons of. But there are very few that really had a lasting effect that wasn't, I wasn't able to get over. It. But you think at the time, oh my God, it's the end of the world. But it's not the end of the world. Like the only, the end of the, not even COVID-19 is the end of the world. It's as close as most of us will ever get, let me tell you. But um, nothing really is the end of the world. I used to tell that always, the, the people that just for last I don't know if you were there, same when, when I gave this uh, speech, but I gave it every year. And I would tell the the employees, particularly the young summer employees, guys, nothing you can do will kill this. You cannot kill. This event is too big for you to kill. Nothing you can do will kill this. So take your shot. Do something different. Take a risk. Do what you think is best. Um, don't be stupid. But even if you are stupid, you're still not going to kill it. Nothing you're going to do is going to kill this. So be brave. Be brave and realize that today's horror story is something that you're all going to laugh at you know, over drinks in a bar one day when... They open up bars again. But that really is the the advice. It just doesn't matter.
1: That is a huge closing to this when we're we're quoting meatballs (laughs) to feel good in a very meaningful way about the COVID period. Ah, period. One day, you know
0: what I'm doing. By the way, what I'm doing, and I just did this before. You know, I came up to do this interview today. Is I I put I'm putting things in the locker now, and I'm saving. Uh, COVID-19 newspapers and what I, because I've saved what I found in the lockers were newspapers from 9-11 newspapers from uh financial crisis newspaper and magazines from um the ice storm where where we all thought the, the, the holy shit the world's coming to an end so I'm saving like these these newspapers these crazy headlines you know C- Canada worries about food shortage uh market dr- you know G- GDP drops uh nine percent in 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 one quarter i'm saving all this because one day we're going to take this out. i'm going to show my my grandchildren um look at this you know like oh, we're all so worried and so i'm actually saving i'm taking news full, whole newspapers and throwing them in a, a a plastic bag to um to to save them
1: the only thing and what i realize when you're talking about this is we need to find a better branding for this period like we haven't found the branding yeah like, yeah you know nine eleven was like bang on you know?
0: yeah well let me tell you <laughs> pardon the pun 9-11 was bang on well done their thing but um but <laughs> oh here we go there there's a t-shirt i'm going to market i live i was in san diego in 9-11 and i was terrified i mean truly terrified and i'll never this day i'll never forget i, I had, i'd slept in i was there for the ctia conference and um i i had slept in because i Put. there was no reason to, to get up and uh all this shit was happening on the east coast and i got up nine o'clock and you know i turned my phone back on and i'll still never forget it's to call me right away what's going on i, I opened my tv and i said what the fuck is going on here you know and, and garner said have you seen what's going on i said i, I don't really understand what's what, what's the story here because he don't you understand we're, we're at war like terrorists they're, they're, they're bombing everything I said, what are you talking about oh my god God, so yeah now that we can look back on 9-11 and say yeah that was a good slogan it shows my whole point about nothing really matters and 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 we get over it all but man i'm looking forward to the day when we can actually have a slogan about today and look back and say hey remember the the virus you know (laughs) those were the days eh? a pre-virus post-virus yeah. I'm looking for. I'm looking for very much forward to the day where I can
1: laugh. At this I point. look forward to us actually getting together and having a beer or a wine or whatever. Yeah, I'll, ta- I'll, take, I'll take I'll take flat
0: water for Christ's sake. <laughs> take anything.
1: So that was my conversation with Andy Nolman. Let's jump into our Mojo Moments. Takeaways, by the way, this is sponsored by Rue Principal and Main Street, the one place to go when you're trying to find your local faves. Okay, I'm recapping here with my bro master, Mark Dolinsky. I've never actually seen his name spelt and uh, thank God because I wouldn't have been able to pronounce it. He is an associate creative director here at Cloud Raker and a longtime raker and
2: friend and he was eavesdropping on the conversation with Andy. So, Mark. Well, now I understand why my contract only has my first name on it. Yeah. I
1: just want to point that out. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
2: Well, I kind of thought it was interesting that Andy had two main guiding principles throughout, you know, your conversation, you know, one being, it doesn't matter whatever, whatever you do, it'll be fine in the end. And in the long run, um, everything kind of works out or, you know, the peaks and valleys aren't as big or low as you thought they were going to be. And then that second one, was, you know take your shot and that's something that you know we have at cloud we have one of our 11 beliefs is dare to fail so you know we've you've always been preaching that to the rest of us you know is and it's a good way to keep mojo high is you know you take your shot you always you're always looking for those chances to do something special to, to push boundaries or you know do something unique and that's i don't know that was those are two things that I've, i found quite you know meaningful and a sort of mojo boosters from Andy.
1: Yeah, it's interesting because when we were jumping into, you know, where does he get his mojo? He talks a lot about give him the impossible, and then he gets he gets the fire in the belly to to jump in and go for it. And um, we're in a period where there's a lot of impossible going on, and I feel, and I'm referring to this whole uh, coronavirus pandemic that everyone's living, and I feel that you're seeing it across the board. In our teams and people we're talking with or what you're reading in the news, there's a lot of people who are taking their shot because maybe they're faced with a massive constraint of what's going on out there.
2: I mean, even you look at our, you know, today's show sponsor, Pénier Bleu, Main Street, Rue Prince Ball. I mean, that, that was born out of the complete and utter restriction of being able to go get food and go out to your local restaurant. And, you know, the fear, you know, we had collectively that, there was going to be a real struggle for them. Obviously, it's, it's a massive struggle. That whole sector is just in trouble. But th- that whole restriction led to us seeing is that being a way to help, you know, connecting people to local businesses.
1: Yeah. And I, and, I, and I imagine, you know, we're not even, you know, we're on the outside doing our bit to, to try and help the, the well, it's not just the restaurants, all the local merchants, yeah. all the main street is at risk in this period. And I imagine and I'm, I'm hopeful, I'm optimistic uh, that there's a lot of them who are deeply thinking about what could, they can do next. How do they innovate? How do they reinvent themselves through this? What, what does life on the other side look like? And, uh, you know, I think, you know, the guy you'd kind of want in your corner for that is Andy. <laughs> you know what totally. I mean?
2: Totally. He's like, yeah, look at it now. It looks impossible. But, you know, the it's sort of like, you know, when, whenever we approach a, a creative problem, you know, the tighter the constraint, the smaller the sandbox the more you try and break out of it, you try and find those, those new paths, those new, those new moments of, of inspiration. And the, this kind of has to be one of those. Yeah. As I, I I wouldn't wish
1: what's going on right now to anyone, but it'd be really like, I, I think it's bringing maybe the best out of people. And it'd be really interesting to see, I don't know if it's a year from now, or I don't know what time frame, but just see what's emerged out of all this, all the creativity and ideas and, Anyway, scary times, but also, I would say, kind of exciting.
2: Yeah, and in the end, it doesn't matter, as Andy said. Yeah, quote it right from meatballs. Yeah, so there you go. That's all I got. It doesn't matter. Take your shot.
1: Okay, on that, well, thanks, uh, Mark, for joining and listening and adding your wisdom. And, uh, and thank you to Peigné Bleu for doing everything it's doing for our local merchants across Quebec. Well, that is a wrap for this podcast of Mojo Moments. Big thanks to the whole team, Gisella, Mark, Xavier, Gavin, and the rest of the peeps over at Cloud Raker. And to play us out, it's former raker, Chris Vellin. Big thanks to him for letting us steal his track, Everything I Have Stolen. Check him out on Spotify and wherever you get your music, and, of course, all his social channels. Take care. Speak soon. Everything.